0: This is Export Like a Boss, the podcast for those on the front lines of international business and trade. Succeed in business on a global scale. The planet is your market. Here's your host, Alberto Rodriguez-Báez. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new episode of Export Like a Boss. Today's episode is very special because we have another first in the history of Export Like a Boss. Our guest for today's episode is joining us all the way from the Netherlands. Mark DeVries is EuroDev's CEO. EuroDev is an amazing business development organization that has helped North American companies successfully expand in Europe for more than 20 years. So... If you are thinking about doing business in Europe or are currently exporting to Europe, I highly encourage you to check out Eurodev's information. You can learn more about Eurodev's services, history, and clients' success stories on their website at Eurodev.com, that is E-U-R-O-D-E-V.com. Mark has a wealth of experience in international business and business development, and will share with us incredibly useful tips and advice on how to succeed in Europe. We are sure you'll enjoy this interview and learn a great deal from Mark. We are honored to have him as a guest today. And without further ado, here is EuroDev's Mark DeVries. Enjoy the show.
1: Mark, how are you doing? Fine. Thanks, Alberto. How are you doing?
0: Very well. Thank you. Uh, Mark, what is your current role in the organization? What's your current role in EuroDev?
1: Okay, I'm the CEO of EuroDev. That means that I'm responsible for the strategy of our organization. I'm responsible for the communication between the departments and, uh, and making sure that the atmosphere at the company is, uh, is, is good so people love to work here and uh, are, are able to do their jobs.
0: Mark, what was your professional experience previous to Eurodev?
1: I've been born and raised in the uh, Netherlands um, where I first went to school. Uh, did there a marketing international business education and at some point i got uh, a job offered a very small job at the netherlands chamber of commerce in the united states i first worked a year in the netherlands but i had the great opportunity uh, to work for two and a half years in chicago and at that time i mainly worked for dutch companies and helping them into the u.s markets Uh, with one of the organizations i worked with at that time i got a job offer to move from Chicago to uh, Eastern Europe, uh, Latvia, Liepaja, that is a a harbor city in uh, Latvia, to manage an operation. So I moved from the U.S. to an, practically a war harbor in uh, in in Latvia. Uh, to run a small company was for really, me really great. I was uh, relatively young at that time, and to, to to run a little business was for me an, a, a real challenge. It was also a challenge to uh, to, uh, to stay at those days and times in uh, in Eastern Europe. Uh, worked there for a couple of years, and the uh, the holding got me back to the Netherlands, where I became responsible for the pan-European yeah. activities. And at that time. I still had some contacts in America, some companies calling on me uh, asking, Mark, could you do this or could you do that? Or were just relationships built from the times that I lived in uh, in America? And uh, there was one guy from Middletown, Connecticut, that particular asked me, uh, can you work for me? And I was thinking, do you want to do that, yes or no? And at some point he asked me to become a distributor or becoming a rep. And um, And that triggered my thought about what can I do for U.S. companies in the European market. What are they looking for? What do they need? And that's basically the the, the start of uh, uh, Eurodef. And, and uh, my father was active in the international uh, business as well. And we run into another guy, Dolph, and basically with three people, uh, we started the business development that we do, that later turned out to be Eurodef, and, and was the basis of something that became bigger than we ever thought.
0: Great. And- how long ago did you launch Eurodev?
1: It's uh, 20 years ago. We had last year our 20th uh, anniversary.
0: Wow, congratulations.
1: Yeah, it was a big party and uh, a lot to to look back on, but we' uh, were 20 great years and uh, a lot of support uh, uh, through the years. And basically what we did is, we're not a brilliant organization, uh, but by starting with one company, two companies, three companies, Uh, with small jobs, they push us into larger jobs and they ask us more and more and basically pushed by our American clients. We have built up an organization with 120 people right now with an office in the Netherlands and and, and France and they are still working with uh, mainly uh, U.S. companies.
0: And talking about what EuroDev does for American companies, can you tell us in a nutshell what are the services that EuroDev offers to American companies? What does EuroDev do?
1: We were founded in 1996, uh, the EuroDev Group is a business development organization. We assist internationally-oriented, North American medium-sized organizations that have a strategic focus to develop the European market. Normally, they already have some activities here, uh, and they want to uh, just expand it, they know there's more to get. We have a team of, of dedicated, and experienced and, and of course multilingual business developers and subject matter experts. Uh, and over the last you know, 20 years we worked over uh, for over 250 US and Canadian companies. Now, what do we do? We do business development, we, we call that organic business development, we do market entry strategies, we do lead generation, we do sales and marketing, but we do that as if people are in Europe. They have their own uh, European office, phone number, fax number, and we operate on, door- on, uh, on their behalf as if they have a European operation. So that's the organic uh, business development. We also do business services, what, what happened with our existing clients, and uh, we cut their business from a couple of million, from a couple of hundred thousand to a couple of million, yeah, at that point they wanted to hire their own people, but that's not easy. And they got in trouble with that. And they asked us, Hey, you can you hire our people and uh, be in compliance and get the right persons on the right place? Now that is how our business services division started. And that's basically European recruitment, PEO and HR outsourcing services. And PEO is that we take care of the employment in Europe. And uh, we can uh, can be the employer of record, or our clients are the employer of record. We have those two options. There again, uh, we saw that clients are growing the business, and that it's more uh, privately owned companies. uh, But we also do see that more and more companies uh, that we work with have a private equity background. And those companies are quite often not looking for organic growth but they want to make an acquisition in Europe. And it was here again, our existing clients that pushes us for, to M&A work. And that was not as easy as said. Uh, we found out that it wasn't it was a business on itself. So we got a guy on board with a little M&A boutique and he started operating under the Eurodev name. Uh, and we had our mergers and acquisitions department. And it's an M&A uh, buy-side advisory service. Uh, and we do uh, basically from research till deal closing. So if you look at that, we do business development organic, we do business services, we do mergers and acquisitions, and we do that European-wide. Maybe to give you a little bit of insight on who are our clients, 95% are North American clients. If you look at the map, a lot on the East Coast, industrial, Midwest, West Coast, high-tech, IT. And right now, I would see that one further is industrial business, a quarter healthcare and retail, and the rest is uh, spread. Now, the company size, the companies we work for are between the the, the 20 and 250 million, that's the majority, and I would say uh, there's still a large group that's larger than 250 million, but in that case we normally work for a particular division of those companies and not for corporate.
0: Great, thank you very much, Mark, for that information, for that explanation of the services. And I am sure a lot of our listeners will be interested in what Eurodev does. And we'll want to know more about it. So I will include the link to Eurodev's website in the episode's notes on our website as well. And I will also include your contact information so our listeners can contact you directly if they have any additional questions or want to inquire further about Eurodev services. Uh, Mark, how many people currently work at Eurodev?
1: Currently, we have 120 people working for Eurodev. Half of them do business development, Uh, the other half work for our business services division and they mainly work full time for US organizations. And about 50 people are working at the Dutch office, 10 people are working at the French office and the others live spread over Europe and they're working from home.
0: How long ago did you open the office in France?
1: about 13 years ago, and there's a nice story behind it. Uh, people always ask me, was there a strategically uh, plan to uh, open the office in France? Not really. At that point, one of my partners was Scott Bell. Uh, Scott Bell is a guy that worked from Canada and set up their European operations. Uh, he did a great job there, really build up uh, the business. And at some point he came back to us and he said, Mark, you know, I want to work for Eurodef and do this for other US companies. And Scott said, I want to do that, but only for one reason. I don't like to work in the Netherlands. I would like to work in the south of France. So that's the strategic reason behind our office in the south of France. Scott wanted to live there, and he got himself a really great house, and he grew there his family and, uh, and three kids. Um, later on, it turned out to be an important part of our approach, uh, typical on uh, of some markets. You have to be local. You have to be in that southern European hemisphere to be able to be uh, successful.
0: Great. And you mentioned about a large portion of your employees' work on the business development side. Uh, Is that the most common service that American companies request from you, business development in Europe?
1: It normally starts with that, and it's also how Eurodev started. Uh, Yes, they all, and uh, all our clients are in a stage. uh, They all have some business. They all had good uh, experience but they also had bad experience and they get to that stage where they say we strategically like to grow our market share in Europe and for that we need a bit of strategy, we need to know and we need to be in the market. Um, That is how it started but interesting is that nowadays if you look at our business, more than half of it is on the business services side. Uh, we help uh, us companies hiring their own teams in europe but in a lot of occasions it starts with that business development and as soon as they have enough return on investment and enough cash flow to put in a long-term organization in place then we start hiring their teams and right now uh, and last year it got uh, over 50 percent of our total business wow that's very good
0: and Let me ask you, for those executives that are listening right now and are thinking, well, I don't know why would I use these type of services versus going it alone. Uh, Mark, why should a company use Eurodev services instead of going it alone in its European expansion efforts?
1: Of course, they like to tap into our network. They like to tap into our experience about what works and what doesn't work for uh, US companies. And they like to tap into our resources. And what I mean then is that, keep in mind that a lot of US companies we work with, they don't just sell a product. Uh, They sell added value, they sell service, they sell support, uh, they sell application engineering, They, they all sell solutions. And to do that, you need to bring up your service levels in the US market. Uh, interesting is here. if you ask the companies we work for well, what are you work, uh, what are you for what do you know for in America? In most of the cases, they say service and support. So if you want to grow structurally your business in Europe, yeah, you should start doing the same in Europe. Now What we offer them is an infrastructure from day one: phone, fax, an office. Uh, we, we have here an office in the Netherlands, and basically it currently houses uh, 53 U.S. companies. The second thing that we offer them is people people from the industry, inside sales, project managers that will be on the road for them with their business cards, developing that business and inside sales will follow up and, uh, and have the contacts with the U.S. to make sure that every everything is, is, is managed. The third part of it is that market entry strategy, uh, the, the model, how to get into that market and, and knowing the way, what is the best way to get into the market. And uh, that, that's also that we have, and I think if you put all three together, that is what they are looking for. And you need all three to be successful in the U.S. market. And they get it with us from day one without getting into a long-term liability and and, and making a big investment.
0: Mark, do you have an example of a company that used EuroDev's services to succeed in Europe? And um, can you tell us what were the challenges they were facing, how you assisted them, and what were the results?
1: Uh, interesting company we worked for is a company called uh, UE Systems. They're based uh, close to Boston. Uh, they make an, a product, it's an, uh, an, an, a product to do testing. And they started with us 10 years ago, had some products in the European market. It was basically brought to the European market by existing clients. We made that first market entry where we looked at the market, we set up distributors, where sales was created, where after one, I think, one and a half years, they said, we want to make that next step again. But at that time, there was a proven product and a proven market. And they hired their first man on the ground. Basically, we hired that person, we payrolled that person. And that person expanded the business again, got in to new countries. Instead of one distributor per country, he had several distributors in countries. Uh, the man started to uh, not only selling but he got sales engineers on board so the distributors could be trained. Uh, when that was in place they start expanding their product line. When they expanded their product line they start offering additional services to the product line. They start doing calibration here in Europe and they did repairs in Europe. And I would say after five, six years they left our office, Uh, they set up their own office, and I think they currently have 12, 13 people in Europe, six of them at the office, Uh, one guy doing repairs, two trainers, uh, marketing, sales, inside sales, and they got six people spread over Europe, continuously on the road making sales calls. It's a nice example of an american company that slowly grew into the market and used the cash flow to build a significant business that they are right now in europe and where they became market leader in their niche
0: that's a great example in in talking about it about market entry let's talk a little bit about advice for our listeners mark What are some key market entry strategies for companies thinking about exporting to Europe or doing business in Europe? What are some critical do's and don'ts that you can offer to our uh, listeners?
1: I think the first, uh, the, the most important part is to make sure what you can or cannot do. A lot of our clients, they ask us to look into markets, do a bit of research to find out what and how to do. I would say in most occasions, it's not the market you're selling into what determines your market entry strategy. You always have to look first at your organization at home. What kind of market entry strategy can you handle? You have to look, for example, uh, at your own organization. Uh, Can they go cross-border? Do they speak languages? What are my limitations there? By first looking at that, And then, looking to the market, make sure that you come up with a market entry strategy that fits your own organization and the market. That's the important thing to keep in mind, that your market entry strategy fits your own organization and the market. It's the only way you can be uh, successful. Now, if you have determined that, then, of course, there are all kinds of options. You can go direct into the market sell from the US, uh, a certain type of products that's really possible. Uh, you can also say, I want to set up a distribution network. Uh, then do, do you ask yourself the question, do you go by country? Do you go by region? That's one of the things that we see happening a lot in the US, that uh, US companies set up one distributor in a country. Yeah, the fact is that... And if the distributor works with uh, people on the road, they don't drive more than 150 miles from their office. So that means for Germany, you should have at least uh, three or four people. And the same for France, where, for example, the Netherlands, you only need one guy. So you can, on the distributor side, you can look, do you go by territory? But you can also say, no, I have a product that is sold through different markets and distribution channels in, an, in a market. Hey, you could... Can uh, think about the medical side, where uh, distributors that normally sell into uh, hospitals uh, do not uh, sell OTC products. So, if you want to get a certain product into a market, you need to find distributors that sell into hospitals, that sell into maybe private hospitals, that sell in into OTC, so that uh, that uh, that sell into uh, pharmacies, and then you go by market. That's something you have to consider. Now. If you have considered, for example, the distribution channel and it's not working for you, uh, you have to go, uh, you can say, I want to work through dealers. Or uh, you can say, I I go direct. Uh, And on the retail side, it's different again. uh, Do you want to sell to the major retail chains? Uh, Do you want to sell to to the mom and pops? And that depends again on, yeah, uh, what are your opportunities. Do you work direct? Uh, Do you work indirect? Uh, Sometimes a market demands that you go direct if you want to sell to the major retailers. In some countries, the major retailers demand that you work directly with them, where in other countries they say, no, 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 we don't handle uh, this type of accounts ourselves, so you have to work through a particular distributor. Uh, It's always a game, and we handle now the different distribution channels, but sometimes people also forget that M&A is also a way to get into a market and has advantages uh, where if you go directly to a market uh, the US organization has to ha- handle cultural issues, language issues um, communication is, is becoming an, uh, a problem if, if you can't do that from the US directly into a market now, you can solve all those issues by for example acquiring a company in Europe with a local management team that knows the market, that speaks the language, that is in the zone, and that you, when uh, after that acquisition, that you let your products f- flow through this organization. Now, another market entry strategy, and uh, what we also see coming up now, of course, is internet sales. Uh, again, a whole different distribution channel that you can use to take your products to the market. And it's not only on the consumer side, we see on the industrial side, the internet starting playing uh, a bigger role and and, and even for added value uh, technical components. So uh, we handle the distribution channels. Keep in mind, when you come to a strategy, do your research, what demands your market and uh, what can you do from the US side to support that distribution channel and make sure that they're tuned to each other.
0: Those are amazing recommendations. And thank you very much for sharing those insights because they are invaluable.
1: Thanks for this feedback. And, and keep in mind that this is something that we learned by working with really excellent uh, U.S. companies. Ed, it's not something that's knowledge that we build up ourselves. It always uh, We build up this knowledge by just working with great U.S. companies uh, that gave us a chance to build the experience together with them.
0: Great. Mark, of course, as you mentioned, you work with American companies all the time that want to do business in Europe. Uh, What are some of the misconceptions that American companies have about doing business in
1: Europe? First of all, in general, there are a lot of stories about uh, going international. There are great stories uh, that are not true, and there are horror stories that are um, not true. But I think everyone has to create his own story. Uh, one of the things that we always explain to people uh, when they go into the market is th- there are a couple of things that you have to take into consider- consideration. And, uh, and when I give presentations, I always tell people of if you go to Europe, it takes time. It's at least two years to reach a, break, uh, reach a break-even point. And sometimes I talk with companies that say, you know, in four months we want to do this and that. And I always say, hey, wait a minute. How long does it take in the U.S.? But as a rule of thumb, it takes you at least two years to reach a break-even point. It's in Europe. It takes you at least a year to get an OEM on board. It's not easy to get an OEM on board. You have to go through a whole process. It takes you a year to get a distributor successful. It's not that you make a call and you send them a sample and they start selling it to their clients. No, you have to go through a process. You have to work the distributor. You have to train the distributor. You have to make joint sales calls with him. He has to do his first sell. He needs to be successful before he really picks up a whole product line and changes his line card. Um, uh, acquiring a company here it takes 7 months selling a company uh, takes at least 8 uh, to 8 to, to 12 months uh, 2 months to recruit a person that's one of the things that, uh, that's different in Europe eh? in, in the US you have employment at will you know it's a dream that you have in the US employment at will you know in Europe it's different eh? people have contracts and People cannot cancel their job uh, on the spot like employers cannot cancel their employees, uh, fire employees either. So if you want to recruit somebody in Europe, you look at least two months to get somebody on board. Uh, But in most occasions, it's a process of four months before he or she can start. Maybe if you're talking about salaries in Europe, uh, it, it costs you... 50k a year to have an inside salesperson it costs you 105k to have a sales manager, and it costs you 145k to have a business development manager. Driving a car in Europe is expensive. You know, you have to pay about a 30k to keep an, uh, a guy on the road with a car. Now, uh, if people want to set up an office, uh, rule of thumb. 30K to run an office, 50K for a 4,500 square feet warehouse. And of course, it depends a little bit on do you do this in in London, central London, or if you do this uh, somewhere outside in Germany. Um, But if you take this number, it's a little bit in the middle. If you want to set up an entity, Hmm. it takes you 5K to set up an entity and uh, 3K a year to run an administration. If you're looking about what is different, uh, reps don't exist in Europe or they do, but they're normally not strong people. The rep doesn't have the same reputation as in the U.S. In, in Europe, if you're a rep, in, in most markets, they don't have them. And if there are reps, um, it's normally not considered a good way, uh, not distribution channel, to sell your product through. Another rule of thumb that we take, if you're selling an added value product from the U.S. to Europe, uh, you have to take another extra 8% in that whole process to, to bring it from the U.S. to Europe. And there are all kinds of this type of numbers, benchmark numbers that we build up over the years with working with different industries and different um, companies in general tend to say don't be afraid of Europe. If we look historically, uh, there is a great relationship uh, between America and Europe and uh, at the end of every discussion we still understand who uh, freed Europe uh, 60 years ago. Statistically, America is the most important trading partner of Europe and statistically Europe is the most successful trading partner of the U.S. if you look to the uh, to the numbers.
0: Mark, thank you very much for sharing your time and your knowledge with us. We know you are really busy. So let's start wrapping up. I just have three more questions for you. What tips can you offer regarding dealing with cultural differences? Tips about European business culture?
1: If, if you look, uh, maybe it's first good to give an quickly what are the differences between the uh, the cultures and if we take it from the approach that you have an Anglo-Saxon culture and you have a Rhineland culture. An Anglo-Saxon culture culture is more uh, UK North American oriented and Rhineland is is main uh, the main continent in in Europe. American companies are more focused on the short term profit, where you see that European companies uh, look more on continuity. It's important to keep in mind that when you make a pitch or a presentation to a company, uh, America is more focused on on margins, on power. uh, uh, Europe is more uh, focused on uh, uh, professional content. Uh, Managers in America are more direct. Managers in Europe are more indirect. Uh, Motivation in in, uh, Anglo-Saxon American companies is intrinsic. In the Rhineland, it's uh, intrinsic. If, if you look at the difference in the model, uh, yeah, you can say it's it's difficult. If you look at our experience, and that's what we really think as an organization, what we learned, forget about that. Uh, for us, it's always uh, be authentic. Uh, and uh, the fact is that we will never understand how a French person thinks or what he likes or uh, I practically don't even know that from a dutch person Uh, and it's impossible for an American when they come to europe that they're able to facilitate french german english uh uh, russian uh, swiss culture You, you cannot do that what you can do is be sensitive and be open and be authentic and our experience has been through the years if people are authentic and if they're sensitive don't worry it works and hey if it doesn't work it's probably not worth it, and you have to walk away from it because you won't be able to handle it anyway. But don't be afraid. It's it's okay. And, and the fact is, U.S. companies are successful in Europe.
0: Mark, that's, that's great advice. And I think that that makes it easier for American companies to take some of the first steps in moving forward with their international plans to expand into Europe. Uh, Mark, now talking about that, international expansion that those first steps do you have any recommendations for exporters regarding the actual
1: trips to europe about the logistics be prepared i think that is important uh, and make sure that where are you going that you have worked out the details there is a plan b but there's not a place in europe where i would say be careful or stay away and enjoy it that's maybe one, maybe a good advice That it's one of the things that we think is important when you are traveling it doesn't matter if you go to europe or to the u.s but we say at Eurodev if you're traveling live on the road the way you live at home you should enjoy traveling because if you are start exporting you will be traveling a lot and travel should be a joy and uh, the difference that you run into should be great and you should appreciate the, the culture differences um, that you run into or that the hotels are different or the food is different because if you appreciate the difference hey you have a great time and you'll be coming back you need to come back if you want to be successful at some point you need to come back quite often to to europe so try to do it in a way that it's under control you feel safe and you enjoy it because if that doesn't happen you won't survive the first two or three years that you need uh, to become successful in uh, in Europe. It's not really practical advice, uh, but it's the way we look at it. It's a great opportunity to travel. It's uh, not only about export, but you learn a lot, you experience a lot. And if you can turn it into something that's joyful, uh, you'll have the stomach to live through it and get to the success.
0: Again, thank you very much, Mark, for your time and your knowledge and your insights. Uh, Mark, do you have any final parting words, any advice or encouragement for companies that want to start exporting or are currently exporting to Europe?
1: I maybe have an advice, and that's what we experienced through the years. Exporting it's not only about creating sales in a the market. Uh, there's, there's some great research from Taylor & Francis um, and they compared exporting companies in the US in the same industry, same size, versus non-exporting companies in the US. And we're talking here about mid-sized uh, organizations, small, medium-sized organizations. And they followed them for five years. and If you talk about exporting company, it's not a company that is automatically successful in Europe, but it's a company that is active in other markets and trying to build up a business. What did they find? That exporting companies grow faster. Exporting companies create more jobs. Of course, it's extremely important to know. It's, It's logical. There's more product development. Exporting is not only pushing products to another market, but it's also being in more competitive markets or learn learn new stuff, learn new developments and uh, encounter them in a foreign market and don't wait till those products get into your own market and they catch you by surprise. Interesting is employees in exporting companies earn a bit more. Hmm. Uh, Part of the research also was that exporting companies are more competitive in the home market. So what does it tell you It's it's not only that you earn your money in your export market uh, but by getting more competitive you also start earning more money in your home market Uh, an important part of the research was that they found that exporting companies attract better talent Uh, typically if you're looking at the, the, the younger people they want to go international and of course the talent is always looking for the best opportunity they choose for exporting companies the bottom line is uh, even more important here is what about revenue growth that if you compare a small medium sized u.s companies that are exporting versus non-exporting that the exporting companies have 37 percent more revenue growth over a period of five years than the non-exporting companies so it's a way of living and it's not about being totally successful in foreign markets but it's about what kind of company do you want to be and by taking that export angle you will be a better company
0: great mark again thank you very much for your time and for your advice and congratulations on eurodevs 20th anniversary and i'm sure uh, <laughs> i'm sure listeners will have questions about you, about your services, about EuroDev's uh, capabilities and services for American companies. So again, we'll include the contact information, the link for EuroDev in the episodes notes in our website and also we'll include Mark's contact information. Mark, any parting words before we wrap up the show?
1: Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for uh, let me sharing this information and What we have here is because of uh, U.S. companies uh, going into Europe and they basically push us to where we are, what we've done. And uh, we feel that we are obligated to share it uh, with other companies. And uh, give us a call, knock on a door, send an email. We'll make the contacts that probably can save you a lot of time and agony. And uh, don't worry, we're more than willing to do it. Just call me and we'll help you out.
0: Mark, thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much alberto and um, yeah hey i'll wish you all the luck and and uh, success with the work that you are doing uh, because you're pushing from uh, the other side and then we appreciate it as well thank you
0: it was an honor to have mark with us today and we want to thank mark for this interview we have included in this episode's notes links to EuroDev's website and the services mentioned in the interview. You can find the episode's notes on our website, exportlikeaboss.com. Also, please remember to subscribe today on iTunes and rate our show. And finally, let us know what you thought about this episode. You can tweet us, our handle is at exportlikeaboss or contact us via email at podcast at exportlikeaboss.com. That's it for today. See you in a couple of weeks. And remember, the planet is your market. Export like a boss. You've been listening to Export Like a Boss. The podcast for those on the front lines of international business and trade. For past episodes and more information, visit us at exportlikeaboss.com or subscribe on
1: iTunes.